0: Uh, glad you guys are here tonight, man. We're in week four of blood. My name is Brad, and I'm the middle school pastor here at Westridge, so, uh, I'm excited to get into this. We've been talking a lot of weeks about this stuff called blood, and we started the series off with a bag full of it, and when I say a bag full of it, I mean fruit punch, um, That represented how much blood was in our body. And we just talked about the importance of blood, how it represents life, and how we need it to survive. But then we've been talking about how blood is all through the Bible. Like we see references to it, we see God asking for it, we see this kind of thread kind of going through all of Scripture, this connecting different things. And it's this idea of blood. And so, we spent a few weeks talking about different stories that deal with blood and this idea of sacrifice, and one of the things we said is sacrifice equals, does anyone remember what it equals? Love, yeah. Sacrifice equals love. If you sacrifice for something, you typically love it. If you're willing to put in a bunch of time for a sports team or a band, you typically love playing music or playing that sport. If you put in and sacrifice a bunch of your money for a particular jacket or, or shoes, it means you love that jacket or you love those shoes. If you're willing to go and pick somebody up from 500 miles away on your Razor scooter, you don't have a license yet. It's probably because you love that person that's 500 miles away that you're willing to get on your Razor scooter and go 500 miles. By the way, if you did that, that would be some kind of record because that's crazy. But you get what I'm saying? Like sacrifice, sacrificing something, money, time, yourself, stuff usually means that you love whatever or whoever you're sacrificing for. And we see God constantly sacrificing for us. We also see people sacrificing for him. And so that's some of the stuff we're going to continue to talk about tonight, this idea of blood equaling life, sacrifice equaling love. And so to start us off, um, i got a a quick little illustration here. Um, Anybody like Chick-fil-A? A few of you. Okay, awesome. Hands down. Very nice. Uh, I also loved, loved the Lord's blessed chicken of Chick-fil-A. Uh, it's awesome, and it is always their pleasure. And uh, so I, I like the classic chicken sandwich with mayonnaise and ketchup on it, and I keep the pickles on it, and it's awesome. But I've, I've since learned a new, a new thing to do, which is to get the sriracha sauce they now have. Put that on one of those sandwiches. It's ballin'. Um, but you could also get the spicy chicken. That's still good, too. Um, and then uh, I really like their wraps. But anyway, uh, I'm digressing. One of the sauces that I love, and I dip my fries in this, is standard barbecue sauce. Love it. Love it. So, in this little illustration, Chick-fil-A barbecue sauce... Is going to represent kind of some things that we enjoy, that we like to do, that seem very appealing to us in life. But you know, like when you, when you get the barbecue sauce out and you dip your fries, or your chicken fingers, or your nuggets, or whatever the case is in them, like you always wind up getting it like kind of on your fingers. My boys do this like crazy, man. They get any kind of dipping sauce, there's more on their hands than there is on their food. And then eventually it's all over their face. And you're just like, man, dude, how did that get all over? And then you're like, your hands are all sticky and like and they smell a little bit, you know? It's like, oh man, barbecue sauce tastes good, but I don't want to smell it all day. Um, And you get stuff like this on your hands, and it stays with you, man. It affects you. And this is kind of like stuff in our life. Like some of these things seem really appealing and really good, kind of like barbecue sauce on some fries at Chick-fil-A. But then afterwards you kind of regret it because you're like, man, this was a mistake. Because I don't have a napkin. I need something to get cleaned up. Cause I'm messy now. Like I stink a little bit. My fingers are sticking together. I can't touch anything without getting other things dirty and messed up. I need a means to get clean. And that's a lot like life. Like we do things, we get messed up, we do things that, that they sounded like a good idea at the time. Like, bro, it is a great idea to jump that ramp right there on your bike that you've only ridden three times. Jump it. Do it. You go jump the ramp, you break your face, right? It was a bad idea. And there's things like that that happen all the time. Like, man, you don't need to study for that test. You've done at least two minutes of homework for this thing. You know your stuff. Okay, I won't study. You get the test, you get like a 40, yeah, that was a bad idea. That wasn't, that wasn't a, good, a good plan. So we do things that sound good at the time or that maybe can bring us some enjoyment in the moment. And then afterwards, we got sticky, dirty, smelly stuff on us. And this, this, is, this is ultimately, this is like our sin. The things that we've done that are against God, like they, some of them seem like a good idea and they might even be fun for a moment. But then after the fact, you're like, Ooh, yeah, I'm dirty. Um, have you ever done something bad and you just felt dirty afterwards? You're like, oh, dude, I just, you don't have to raise your hand. We could all raise our hand, let's be honest. All of us have. The Bible says all of us have sinned. So there's not like one of you that has and everybody else can look at them and point. Like all of us have done that. So we need something to get the sticky nastiness off of us. We need something to get the sin off. We need something to wash us clean. So we need something like, I don't know. Like a napkin, like like a, like a paper towel. Like, I go through paper towel like it's water, man. I, I go through... I wish I just had paper towels all day long every day because I use them for everything. Like, you know, you they got, you got a spill, use a paper towel. You got stuff on your hands, use a paper towel. You got stuff on your face, use a paper towel. You got a runny nose, paper towel, but not too much because they'll get raw and start to hurt. But I'll still use a paper towel. You need... Oh, you forgot your towel, you need to dry your hair, use a paper towel. Um, they fix everything, but ultimately sometimes you got to use something even with a paper towel and you got to get it wet so you need water water ultimately is the thing that's going to help you get clean and i'm hoping most of you every day have some type of experience with water called a bath or a shower and if you're not let me encourage you to start a daily habit of that i'm telling you it'll help you with the opposite gender one day and at the very least it'll help you with your parents And so if you get some water, you get your hands on some water and you start to put the nasty, sticky, whatever mess you've gotten yourself into, into the water, eventually it will clean you. And you will not have stickiness on you. You will not smell bad anymore. You will be able to touch stuff and not make a mess anymore. Because the water cleaned you up. It washed away the mess. It took away the stink. It made you clean again. And that is where we're starting our story tonight. So if you go back to Psalm chapter 51 and you look at the very first two verses, it's setting us up for what we're going to talk about the rest of the night. And this is the psalmist, and he's saying something that I think all of us can relate to. When we have that stuff on us, that sin on us, those things that we've done against God on us, it weighs on us. We know that we've done that. Whether you admit it or not, whether you feel really bad or not, something in you knows. And the psalmist is having that same thing going on. And so he says this to God. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. That's a fancy word of saying sin. Blot out my sin. Blot out the things I've done wrong. And wash away my iniquity. Another word for sin things that you've done wrong, and cleanse me from my sin. This psalmist is asking for the same thing that all of us are desiring too, is to get the junk off of our life, to have all the mistakes that we've made kind of like washed away, right? The stuff that we've done that's kind of hampered us, made us dirty, we want God to take it away and make us clean again. So the psalmist is asking for this, and so We talked about last week this idea of Passover, where God was coming to Israel to rescue Israel from Egypt, and he he did it. He asked Pharaoh like nine times, let my people go, let them come out and go to the, the place I've got for them, and Pharaoh continued to say no. So eventually, God went to drastic measures in order to free his people so that they could know him, follow him, love him, and help the rest of the world know him. And he killed the firstborn of everybody in Egypt, but he saved the nation of Israel because of the sacrifice they made and the blood that they put on their doorposts, right? And so from then on, Israel was freed, and they to get free, they, they still had to go through the, the Red Sea, and God had to part that because Egypt decided to change their mind. Pharaoh said, no, never mind. I don't want to do that anymore. And they came after him. And then Moses took the people all the way to the Red Sea. Red Sea is like a sea. You can't just walk through that. So they're stuck with a whole army coming after them. So God's like, no problem. I'll split this for you. I don't know what that looked like, but it had to be sweet. Um, And then they walked through the actual sea to the other side. And then God closed it back up. And they were free to get to the promised land, ultimately. Now, there's a long story to get to the promised land. They go through a lot to get to that point. But from here on, God sets up this system with Israel for them to get clean, for them to have their sin washed away, and for them to ultimately know him, and to have this relationship with him. Because God has been pursuing people ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, Ever since the very beginning in Genesis, when you know, Eve took the apple or whatever kind of fruit it was, we don't technically know what kind of fruit it was, but she took the fruit from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, right? and she gives it to Adam, and they both eat it, and then God has to send them out of the garden because they did the one thing he asked them not to do, and it broke their relationship. So ever since then, God is trying to get mankind back to make things whole again to make things right again because people keep messing it up we keep messing it up we keep choosing ourselves over him and so God's like okay I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set up this system I'm going to set up this thing that's going to make a way for you to know me and for us to be good again because at the end of the day you've got sticky yucky barbecue sauce all over you man I know Chick-fil-A is good but come on napkins you got sin all over you like you got to get clean so I'm going to get you clean because I'm the only one that can actually get you clean um, this is what you got to do to get clean and he set up this system where the priests of Israel would make sacrifices for the people of Israel now there's a whole lot of things we can get into with that and it, it's a it's kind of a cool study to do if you ever want to do that I don't know that if any of you ever want to but if you ever did you could check that out. But what's awesome is Hebrews is a book in the New Testament that kind of sums up what happens in the Old Testament, of how the people in the Old Testament had to go through this process to get clean. And so he sums it up this way in Hebrews chapter 9. So I'm going to read this to you. So check this out, okay? Everybody with me? Are we ready? I like it. So here we go. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. Now let's pause right there and talk about what he's talking about. The first covenant is the first promise, big promise God made with Israel. He promised that they would be his people. He would take them to the promised land. And ultimately, they would, from them, the savior of the world would emerge. They're ultimately the hope of the world. Okay, So this first covenant is, is that promise that God made to them. Um, and then this earthly sanctuary is something called the tabernacle, which, again, is a cool thing to study. If you ever want to go back and look at the Old Testament, you can check out the tabernacle. But ultimately, it's the first, for lack of a better word, church. Right. So God gave these instructions on how to build this church. It's like a massive tent that had different areas to it. There was the holy place. But then there was the most holy place, and it, they're going to describe that here in these verses. Right here in the second verse, it says, A tabernacle was set up, and in its first room were the lampstand and the table with its sacred bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the Most Holy Place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Now let's time out right there. What are we talking about, okay? So I told you there's multiple rooms in this tabernacle, this tent, this church-type building, temple, whatever you want to call it. It's this place to meet God. So there's the holy place that had some kind of special items in it, but then the most holy place, it said the ark was in that. Now, I don't know if anybody's seen Indiana Jones. Anybody in here seen the first Indiana Jones? Some of you have. That's cool. If you haven't, I'm not necessarily saying go out and see it, but the special effects are amazing. Not so much. But at the time, they were groundbreaking, and it was an amazing movie. And it's still an amazing movie. But my point of bringing that up is there's a portrayal of the ark that this verse is talking about in that movie. And it's this gold box that has this lid on it that has angels on top of it. And inside of this gold box, there's these three things that it just talked about. It had the covenant... On these stone tablets. Y'all remember the stone tablets with the covenant on it? Ten Commandments, right? Y'all remember that? Moses coming down off the mountain with the Ten Commandments. Thus saith the Lord. One, two, three, four, five, six, so all the way down. Right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, so that's in there. Um, then we've got Aaron's staff which was in there, which is the staff that they were using all throughout getting them free from Israel or getting them free from Egypt, and then a gold jar of manna. Now, I don't know if you remember this story, but um, as they're getting out of Egypt and wandering in the desert, they get hungry, um, which tends to happen when there's thousands and thousands of people wandering through the desert. They get hungry, Um, and so there's no food, but God promised them he was going to be with them, so he provided food literally this stuff called manna kind of like a bread type substance was falling from the sky for them to eat so God literally provided food for them and so this manna in this covenant is that food God provided for Israel in the desert and this is the stuff that was in this covenant in this holy the most holy room in the tabernacle are you with me so far okay Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory. Cherubim are a type of angel, okay, with wings. Again, this is cool stuff to study. We just don't have time to get into all of this. But cherubim on top of the box, the covenant, ark of the covenant, they're on top of the glory. Overshadowing the atonement cover, which is the covering of the box. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now, which I would agree with. We don't have time to discuss these things in detail now. In verse 6, when everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. So outside of this holy room, the most holy room with the Ark of the Covenant is the holy room. And that's where the priests, the people that represented the, the nation of Israel would go to make different types of sacrifices to atone for the people's sin, to wash them clean. And this is the ministry that they would continue to do all year long. But then... Only the high priest entered the inner room, the most holy room, where the Ark of the Covenant was. Only once a year somebody entered that room and it was the high priest. And once a year and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people had committed that the people had committed in ignorance. So there's these, these little sacrifices going on all year, but then there's this big sacrifice that happens once a year. And the high priest has to be the one that makes it. And the point that they made right there is the high priest does this once a year, goes into the holy place once a year to atone for all the sins of not only himself, but everybody in Israel. And he goes into this place to make them all clean, to help them all be clean from the things that they have done against God. Now, here's a couple of things to know about this that that these verses don't necessarily go into Um, the, the person, the high priest that's going in had to wear certain things, like certain garments, like a certain outfit to go in, to enter appropriately. They had to take a bath before they did. They had to take a bath after. They had to sacrifice a certain type of animal. There was also an animal that they didn't sacrifice called a scapegoat. A lot of things went on in this whole sacrifice, this whole thing that this high priest would do. And a lot of it's highlighted in Leviticus. You could go back and look at all the details. But the point is, if the high priest didn't go into the holiest of holies, the pres- this whole area represented the presence of God, right? This Ark of the Covenant was where God's glory was residing on the planet in this moment. At this time in our planet, in this time in human history, it's in this one room, this is where God is. The holy priest is coming in, the high priest is coming in to make atonement for everybody's sins, make this sacrifice to give to God because Israel wants to love God. God loves Israel. But Israel has done some messed up stuff. They continue to sin against God. So they need to make up for that stuff. They need to get washed clean. The high priest does that for them. But if the high priest goes in and isn't prepared, isn't in a manner that is worthy to enter the room, hasn't done everything God's asked of the high priest, the high priest would die, like fall dead in the room. And because of that, the other priests would tie a rope around the high priest's ankle before he goes in in case he didn't do everything that he was supposed to do are entered unclean into the room so that if he did die, they could pull him out because if they go in to go get him, what happens to them? They die. So then they just all start stacking up on top of each other and it's a massive mess and it would start to stink and it would be a bad deal. So if that happened, they would just pull him out and then the next high priest would be up to go in to make atonement for their sin. Now, why is that... Why is that a thing? That sounds kind of mean of God, right? Like he came in wrong and he died. You got to remember, this is the only place on the planet where God's presence resided. You're literally walking to the presence of holiness. God is not set up this way. He does not have a holiest of holy places like this on the planet today. It is on the planet, but not like this today. We're going to get into where it is now in the next couple weeks But the way it was set up then was this one place where God's glory was, and if you didn't honor that, you didn't respect that, and you didn't do the things God asked of in that, his presence could not be in the presence of sin. Because sin and God's glory do not mix. But God wants us to be in his presence. He's asking this high priest to do this for all the people because he loves the people. He wants to be with the people. He wants to know the people. He wants the people to know him. And so the whole point of this process, the whole point of sacrifices, the whole point of them doing this, and they did this for hundreds of years, by the way, this process of every year making this big sacrifice and all throughout the year making these small sacrifices was ultimately for the blood of these sacrifices to lead to their life. And we know life is found in God. And so by them offering these sacrifices, they find life because they find God. But it's also to sacrifice for the sake of loving God and getting to experience his love for them. And God ultimately is making a way for them to know him. Because it's easy for us today to look at this and be like, that is just the weirdest process ever. Like, that doesn't sound like a loving God. That sounds like a God that hates animals and wants them all to die. and doesn't like high priests and want them to die. That, no, that is not at all the point. The point is he was trying to save these people. He was trying to rescue these people because they continued to do these stupid things, things he had asked them not to do that hurt, hurt them or hurt other people. Does that sound at all familiar to any of us? Is that at all anything like what we do maybe a little bit? We know what God's asked of us, yet we do these other things and they hurt us and they hurt other people. But just like what God did back then, how he continued to make a way to to know him and to be clean of this stuff. He's doing the same thing for us now because who God is doesn't change. He still loves people. He still has grace and love for people. He still has grace and love for you. And so, this whole sacrificing system and this holiest of holy places that the high priest would go into was all a means of God getting to be with his people and his people getting to be with him and them being washed clean. Because God made a way for them to be washed clean. He didn't have to set up any of that. He could have just been like, man, you guys keep sinning and you keep sinning and you keep doing stuff that hurts everybody, and I'm just done with it. Like, I'm done with you guys. You know, I'm done. Have you ever known people that you've, you've warned or you've told to stop doing something? Or maybe you've been warned to stop doing something and you keep doing it and then eventually you're just like, I've had enough, man. I'm just done. Like we're, You're done with chances. No more chances. We're done with this. God could have done that and rightfully so could have just done that at any point. Been like, I'm done with you people. Y'all are crazy. You won't listen to anything I say and you keep messing this thing up. But he doesn't. He keeps coming back to us, to pursue us, to know us, and for us to know him. And I love this because the psalmist in those same, that same chapter we read at the very beginning of this guy asking for God to wash him clean, towards the end of that same chapter, he says this in verse 17. He says, I sacrifice, O God. My sacrifice is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, you God will not despise. He gets that it takes sacrifice to show love. He gets that God has sacrificed for him and that lo- he loves him. And so, what does he offer as a sacrifice? It's not a goat, it's not a lamb, it's not a bull, it's not food. He offers him his heart, he offers him himself. And so God is still pursuing us now. He still wants us to be clean now, and he still offers us a way to be clean now. We just have to come to him. Because we can't make ourselves clean by ourselves. You can wipe all day long with a paper towel and smear that stuff all around, and eventually it's the the paper towel is going to be stuck to you, and then you have paper towel and the stuff that you were trying to get off with the paper towel all over you. You ultimately need water to get clean, and God is that water. He's this living water that we need in life. And so, my question to you is the same question that I think this psalmist had, which is, God, will you make me clean again? And then getting to this place where he will, we just need to give ourselves to him so he can make us clean. Because he wants to. He loves you. And he's made a way for you to know him. So will you come to God? Will you offer yourselves to him? Not just part of you, not just Wednesday nights, not just Sunday mornings, not just FCA's. Like all of you, like all every moment of every day will you give that to God offer that to him that's your sacrifice to him is you it's your heart so that he can make you clean so that you can experience his love you can experience his grace cuz he's offering it to you it's there for you it's there for me and through that we get to experience this life we get to experience this God, this Savior. So tonight we're gonna to talk more about that, but the next couple of weeks we're gonna take this even further. And I mentioned the most holy place isn't in the same place that it was before. It's not just this one place anymore. We're gonna go into more of what that looks like in the next couple of weeks. So please, man, bring friends. Keep coming back the next couple of weeks as we elaborate on what this means for us and how ultimately this whole system that God set up was changed when jesus entered the scene so let me pray for you and then after i'm done praying we're going to talk a little bit about the mission trip we're going on to orlando florida and then we're going to send you out to your groups but we love you man thank you so much for being here um i'm excited about what you guys are going to talk about in your groups hopefully along this whole lines of sacrifice and knowing god and experiencing his love and his grace for you so let me pray that for you and then we're going to wrap this thing up and head to groups. God, thank you so much for the fact that you've made a way for us to know you, that you have pursued us in spite of our sin, in spite of ourselves, in spite of the things we've done against you. You still come after us, and you love us, and you give us grace, and so I thank you for just for me that that's true. I thank you that that's true for all these students and leaders that are here tonight. And I pray that we would all do what this psalmist did where he, he sacrificed himself to you. He gave all of himself to you. I pray that we would do the same thing because at the end of the day, you're the only one who can make us clean. You're the only one that can take away this sin. And when we do that, we get to experience this life and this love that we find in you. So I pray that for all my friends. I pray that for myself tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.